finishing up our series. Uh, it's called Jesus Walks. It's Jesus Walks with Peter, so this will be the last one as we made our way up to the crucifixion and resurrection last week, and then we have one more to this week, and then we'll start a little short something next, probably about four weeks, and then we're going to get into some of the characters of the Old Testament after that, which will take us just a little bit. So, one from this series called Jesus Walks. Make sure the microphone was acting up last week. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 21. We start in verse 1. John 21.1. Not so bad today. Not a lot of bouncing around. Just one time to mark. And then the last couple weeks we've been all over the place. So. John 21, 1 through 17. If you remember Peter, he was at the, uh, at the empty tomb, right? And, but before that, before the empty tomb, the last place we had saw Peter was... Is that Jesus' trial, if you remember right? Jesus had been arrested after they had had the Last Supper. Jesus goes to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then he's arrested. Peter was with him at the garden, and then remember Peter tries to lop off that guy's head, misses, hits his ear. Jesus says, "Hey, you, you live by the sword, you die by the sword," and uh, and Peter's gone from there. Right? He, he follows Jesus into the trials, but then denies him three throughout that. Uh, that next section, and, and Peter fails miserably. That's kind of how we left Peter, right? I mean, he, he told Jesus, hey, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'm with you to the very end, I'll fight for you if I have to, and then he, for, and he forsakes him, and he leaves him, and he denies him three separate times. He has a chance to say, hey, aren't you that follower that Jesus? And he goes, no, each time, right? And it gets progressively worse as he goes. And so that's, Peter's not exactly at the mountaintop right now, right? He's done great things. He He's the only one that got out of the boat when Jesus is walking on water, right? The only guy who has enough courage to do that is, is Peter. We saw him a little while before that, right before for that last time. He, he confesses Jesus is Christ. And Jesus goes, absolutely, Peter, you got it. You nailed it. Perfect, right? So Peter has had his great mountaintop moments at the gospel. Now, he's had some times where he's failed. The mountaintop, you have to risk failing, right? And Peter's, Peter's that guy. He, he'll take the risk. He's not scared to step out and, and try. And, and I think we should honor that in Peter. Right? Now, he fails sometimes, but if you're, if you're going to fail, if you're willing to try and try hard things and to do hard things, you're going to fail. It's going to happen. But Peter, I imagine at this point, is, he's at an altar. To his face, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will not deny you. And Jesus said, yes, you will. And he said, absolutely not. Jesus, there's no way. And he does. And we've all been there. We've all failed, right? Spoiler alert, we've all failed. In case anybody else didn't know that. We've all done it. Lots of times. Probably this last week, if you're like me. Maybe a couple times. You probably had a failure or two. I mean, if you hold yourself to a high standard, you're going to fail, right? I mean, you can hold yourself to real low standards and never fail, but that's kind of not the point. I mean, and Peter's, he's failed. And he's failed miserably. You imagine, Peter's that type A personality, which it seems to be from the Gospels, right? Peter doesn't like to fail. He doesn't like to do that. And he's at a low point of his life, I'm guessing, right here. And I just wanted to show you this story, because I wanted to show you, you the kind of Savior that we have, and how the Savior of ours takes care of us. And look what he does here with Peter. So we're going to jump in the story in John 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared. This is after the resurrection, right? Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, right? And two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. 
And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, Jesus already appeared to the disciples a couple times, but they're kind of lost right now, right? Not quite sure what to do. And it makes sense that why Peter, who's a go-getter, I'm guessing, he's a guy that's always doing something, he goes, I can't just sit here. We've got to do something. And so what do, you, what do we tend to do? Is we fall back on what we know, right? He's a fisherman. So he goes, I'm not just going to sit here and twiddle my thumbs fishing. Let's do something. Let's accomplish something. Remember, Peter has a family to take care of as well. So he's got to do this. And so he goes back to doing what he, he knows. Goes and fishes. I want to flash back to you, though, for, the, for just a moment. Because if, you if you're making a movie about this story, this would be a really cool scene in the movie. Look at what happened in Mark 1, 20, way, way back before, before Peter ever knew this Jesus. Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. Where are we right now? Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon, that's, that's Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. We had gone a little farther. James, son Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. Their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Who's that? the story now? Almost the same exact. A few more people, right? But the same characters. And they might, we don't know. I don't know the same spot at the Sea of Galilee. I can't tell you that for sure, right? But they're at the same general area as they received their initial calling from Jesus to follow after them. And you can't help but think if you're Peter, you're James, or you're John, and you're having this moment right now, as you're going to see, you have to think back to this moment, where it all began, where it all started. These guys just mind their own business one day, fishing, doing their job, and this, this, this rabbi, this Jesus, comes and calls them. And they're so excited that the story tells us in Mark that they drop everything to go after him, to follow after him. And they've been on quite a journey for about three and a half years now. As they followed him, they tried to become like the rabbi. And here they are, and they're not quite sure what's next, so they go back to fishing, to what they began with, and look how Jesus is going to interact with them one more time. Back to John chapter 21. It says, Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, for the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number. Jesus is on the shore, calls out to them. They don't know it. Enough distance, they can't really see who it is. It's early in the morning. They've been fishing all night. They're tired. Jesus calls out to them. And what do you do in that Mark story? That we just looked at. It wasn't Peter that called Jesus. It wasn't James and John who called Jesus. Jesus did the calling, Right? And once again, here he is at it again. Jesus is calling after them one more time. Hey, did you guys catch anything? It's not a, not a weird question, right? But no. Fished all night and caught nothing. Jesus says, well, why don't, you, why don't you do something for me? Just throw your net on the other side of the boat and see what happens. And sure enough, so many fish that the bring the nets in. And look what happened. Verse 7. 
Then the disciple who Jesus loved, that's John, right? He writes his own gospel, so in the ancient world you didn't put yourself in there, right? Because that's kind of arrogant. So you, you, some type of code, it's John, right? The disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. And what's he do? He jumped into the water. The other disciples followed him in a boat. They're like, ah, we'll stay dry, right? You jump in the boat. We're gonna, you, you jump out of the boat. You go in the water, Peter, because you're so excited. We're just going to take the boat over there, stay dry, and we'll get there a few seconds later. And they towed the net a fish in. But they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards, Scripture tells us. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. John says, hey, man, that's, that's Jesus on the shore calling out to us. And what does Peter do? You've got to love this guy, man. He gives it, he's got it here. He has a fire that burns inside him so bad that he goes, I could make it to shore in the boat, but I don't have that kind of patience. And he, he had his outer cloak off him because he'd probably already been in the water. How they fished with nets is they had a net made of some type of net, hemp or something like that with rocks on the outside of it as weights and they would throw that net in. It hit the bottom. Someone had to go in there, grab the net, kind of collect the fish and bring it in. So Peter's likely the one that's already been doing that. So he's already been in and out of the water. So it's no big deal he, for him to get, get back in. And especially it's no big deal if who he's running to is in fact Jesus. Guys, remember, Peter let Jesus down. And not in a little minor way. Like he gave him an oath, if you remember the story. I know it was weeks and weeks ago, but he gave him an oath. He swore in his life, hey, I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you, and I will never, ever deny you. And he did. He, he failed him miserably. Like, man, if our word doesn't mean anything, then what else matters, right? And yet Peter believes in his heart of hearts that even though he's failed this Jesus, even though he's messed up, that Jesus is still worth running to. He's worth leaving the boat for. And giving everything you have to get to him as fast as you possibly can. And look what happens. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back. Simon, right? He's not waiting for anybody else to do it. He'll do it himself. He's t- Simon's a ter- Peter's a terrible person to work with, right? Because they just want to do everything. They won't let you do anything. So he climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. And it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. It wasn't torn because Jesus had him thrown in the, in the lake, right? It's not torn because it's, it's a miraculous catch that Jesus gives them. It's the reason it's not torn. Jesus said to them, Come to breakfast. Disciples dared ask him, who are you? They, they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. Did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, there's a story in the Gospels about some fish and bread, right? That the disciples witnessed not all that long ago. A couple times, actually. Jesus feeding a group of people, a large group of people, with just a few fish and a few loaves of bread, and, and he makes it somehow spread and last for everyone. And you can't help again but think that as Peter and the disciples, James and John and others, are sitting there at this meal, eating some fish and some bread by the Sea of Galilee, they aren't thinking back to, to those moments. 
when as they, they handed out, it was the disciples' job, remember, to take the baskets full of fish and the basket full of loaves of bread and hand it out to the thousands of people who were gathered there. And they just kept handing it out, not knowing where it came from. All the while, Jesus was the one who was making, making it happen. Dividing the bread and, and the fish and it just kept, kept coming. Miraculously. So they sit, sit down for breakfast with Jesus over a little fire. As he, as he cooked it, remember it says Jesus is cooking the fish for him over this little fire. I, get in, I want to remind you that the last time the Bible tells us about a fire in Peter, things didn't go all so well. One of the times he denies Jesus is where? It's by a fire. Goes to warm himself up, and that servant girl comes to ask him if he knows Jesus, and he instantly, oh, no, I have no clue who that guy is, right? Those details can't be lost on us, because if you're Peter, every one of those details matters, doesn't it? Every one of them brings you back to your failure, to how you let him down. You're eating fish and bread with Jesus, and you think, man, I watched this guy take a few fish and a few loaves of bread and feed thousands, and I let him down. I watched him walk on water. I tried to get out the boat with him, and I let him down. And every one of those stories that we read in the Gospels, and many, many more that aren't here, Peter was there for, and he saw it. If there's anybody who shouldn't have let Jesus down. It's those 12 guys who were with him all the time, and yet they did. And look what Jesus does with Peter. Scripture tells us, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Likely motioning his hand to the other disciples that are there with him, right? Do you love me more than these brothers of yours, these guys that you've lived with? Peter's response is, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus says to Peter, feed my lambs. For 16 Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, take care of my sheep. And one final time, in verse 17, <clears throat> says the third, he said to him, Jesus, <clears throat> Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter's hurt when Jesus asked three times because in the Jewish consciousness and the Jewish mindset, when you, three t- you did something three times, it was for emphasis. It was to drive a point home. So anytime you see three things happen in the Bible, say the calling of Samuel in the Old Testament, if you read that story, God calls him three separate times. The three is the emphasis, right? It's like you're going to get the point home. If you tell your kids three times, hopefully by that point they've got it, right? If not, then it's, you're frustrated and it's, you're done from there, right? So three is an emphasis thing. It's putting emphasis on the thing. And so Jesus asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? And every time he says, yes, yes, I love you. Jesus already knows that. Guys, this interaction isn't for Jesus. This is for Peter. Jesus already knows Peter's heart. He knows every thought that's ever came through his mind, every feeling, every emotion he's ever felt. Jesus already knows that. He's not asking the question for himself. He's asking it for Peter. Peter, you know 
that I know you love me, right? Peter, it's going to be okay, man. I know you got it here. But I got a job for you. Three times he brings up lambs and sheep, right? Like, well, that's weird. I know he's a shepherd, he's a fisherman. Who are the sheep? Who are the lambs? People like us. Jesus says, Peter, you got to get over this. I know you didn't like failing. I know it hurt you deep. But I got a job for you to do. And you can't do this job if you're looking backwards. You got to put it in the past and you got to move on because I have work for you to do now. And Peter is going to become one of the greatest followers of Jesus to ever walk the face of the earth. He's going to lead people to Jesus time and time again. We're going to see in Acts, just a few chapters later, he's going to be there at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes upon the people. Right? Peter's there. And Peter, in, we think about AD 64, is going to be crucified upside down by the Emperor Nero because he won't deny this Jesus one more time. And by church history, we believe that he asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't feel himself worthy to, to die the same death that Jesus died. This whole interaction, guys, is not for Jesus. It's for Peter. It's for Peter to know you can fail, and you can get back up, and you can try again. And if Peter can fail, so can you and I. And our failure God stands towards us. That stance has always been and will always be of love. You and I don't have the power to dictate. Our behavior does not affect God's feeling towards us. He died for sinners. The Apostle Paul tells us he, he died for those sinners while they were what? They are dead in their Trespasses, tres, trespasses. Savior, he died for those who know that they've sinned and they fall short and they miss the mark and they mess up. Those people who Jesus died for, which is all of us, right? I mean, it's, it's all of us. The story to me is a beautiful story of redemption. Of Jesus saying to Peter, I've got you. I took care of this already. So why are you wallowing in who you used to be? Because I'll make you new. Remember, that's the business God's in, is taking dead things and bringing them back to life. That's what the resurrection showed, right? That's what he does. That's, that's what our God does. Is he takes things that have died and brings them back to life, including you and me. Because sin does what to us? It's a slow death, man. It kills us. And God goes, I got a solution for that. It's my son. He'll spill his blood on the cross for all of your sins. Not some of them. Not the ones you feel guilty over or the ones you don't. For all of them. Every last one of them. And man, that's good news. Here, 
Jesus is trying to drive that point home to Peter, I think, that it's good news. That you can keep feeling guilty and, and full of shame if, if you want. That'll get you nowhere. Because it's hard to walk forward when you're looking back. And if all you can think about and all up your, the space of your mind is how you failed in the past, you're never going to get anywhere in the future. Besides, you'll get better. And you'll be a person nobody else wants to be around because you have no joy in your life. Our God didn't leave us that way. He found us that way, dead in our sins, but said, I can bring you back to life. Trust me and follow me. And if he can do it for Peter, he can do it for you and me. The lesson is there's hope for all of us. That's the lesson I think that Jesus is trying to get home to Peter and the other disciples. Don't ever give up on yourself because God's not giving up on you. He never will. Scripture tells us he stands at the door of our hearts and he knocks and he keeps knocking and you're not open the door yet because you think he's selling you something, but he's not. So he keeps knocking, right? And he knocks and he knocks and he knocks and he knocks and he keeps knocking and you're on your deathbed and guess what he's doing still? He's knocking still, right? Open the door is all he's asking you to do. So the question you and I have to answer is of our hearts to this Jesus. Because he's the only one we should be letting in. He's it. He's the only one that can be trusted with our hearts. He's the only one. Because he's full of mercy and love and compassion and grace. He wants the best for us. He wants, which is us to know that we've been forgiven. That we don't have to bear the weight of the burden of sin on our shoulders anymore. Remember, Jesus told us in the Gospels that his yoke is what? And his burden is light and easy. It's light and easy because he's carrying it. He left it all on that cross. And there it stands. And there it will always stand. So let it go. Whatever it is that you're white-knuckling holding on to, whatever that was in your past that you can't believe you failed that many times at the same thing, drop it and let it go. Because you have already been forgiven. It's already been taken care of. The price has already been paid. You can't pay any more of it. So let it go and run. Jump out of the boat and run to this Jesus because his arms are open wide. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a God who loves us, a God who wants the best for us, a God who never gives up on us we've done or the things we've thought or the things we've said that you will take those things and you can turn them on their head and you take dead things life you take the junk of our life and you'll make good come from it if we let you in so father today and every day we let you in to our hearts to our minds our souls to every part of our being we give it all to you knowing you're the only one that we can trust with it And Father, help us, every one of us who's here, who's not here, doesn't matter, who's on planet Earth, to know that you have forgiven our sins and you love us exactly how we are. We know we're not perfect. We know we fall short. We know we miss the mark. And yet you love us just as we are.
Father, there's no greater news in all the world than that. And help us to live that out in our lives every single day. And because we're forgiven, God, we have to forgive. Because you've extended us, we have to extend grace to each other. Because you've been merciful with us, God, we have to be merciful with those around us. Help us to, to show a world who needs you more now than ever what it means to follow you with everything we have. Giving you all the glory and honor that you and you alone deserve. Father, we pray all this in the powerful and healing of Jesus. Amen.